You know, communion is just one of the types, one of the forms of worship that, that we have. There are other types of worship. Prayer is worship. Fellowship. When we get together and we, and we fellowship with one another, we are worshiping God. When we read the Bible, we literally are worshiping God. Silence is another one. I don't do a very good of, of silence. You know, I don't have that one grasped really well in my life. Um, but there's lots of different types of worship. We're starting this, this um, series called True Worship. And today I want to talk from Psalm 100, where in the New King James it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Some of us know people who make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We do. We know. And the thing that I love about those people is they don't even, they, they don't look at it the same way we do. They don't think it's noise. They think it's worship. And it is worship. But, you know, we, in, in growing up in the church, you know, we, we think, the, we really think that worship is really about music and singing. It's about inst musical instruments and singing and being a part of a team. That's worship. I'm, I, don't, I don't have that talent. Therefore, I'm not really a worshiper. But the reality is that that is not the truth. Okay, and by us really um, thinking or, or 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 falling into the trap of thinking that that you have to be able to know how to play an instrument and and you have to know how to sing in order to to be involved or engaged in worship, what we really are are letting ourselves thinking is that worship is for the talented, and that's not true. Worship is not. Not just for the talented. Oh, well, Nikki has such a great voice. And she just worshiped the Lord, and, and she's so good. Why would I want to mess that up? <laughs> By singing myself. I'll tell you why. Because God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your joyful noise. And unintentionally, we can, we can sort of communicate that, that worship is about talent, and that's not it. Because you can have talent and not have the Spirit of the Lord in you. So it's about connecting with God. And I think there's a lot of confusion in the church uh, in America about this idea of worship. It's not something that we just plug in so that we can round out the service to uh, one hour. I think we do a pretty good job. You know, we've been, you know, since the beginning of COVID, we've really tried to keep our services to, to an hour. And I think we do a pretty good job. And, and, and that's, it's not filler, okay? The, the music, the worship that we put into the service, it's not filler. And if it was up to me, it'd be about six or seven songs, okay? But that's, that's just my, that's me. But, you know, we've got we've to, gotta, you know, gotta, you know, gotta stay on track and all this stuff. Um, but, but it's not just about making it that way. And some people say, well, it makes me feel so good. It's not about you feeling good. 
Some people that, you know, well, it's, I just feel a lot better about God when I leave. The Barner Resource Group has done a lot of surveys and stuff, and, and they survey Christians, and, and um, they, they've asked the question, you know, what do you believe that worship is? And 47% said that they felt that it was something that was just a personal benefit to them. So they saw worship as what it does for them. 29% had the view that worship is something that is focused on God. So we, we give it to God. We're focusing on him. And I found this really interesting. 20% had no idea of the purpose of worship, period. That just kind of blows me away. But I want to look this morning. I want to start in John chapter 4 as we start this new series. <clears throat> and Jesus is talking here beginning of verse 23. And here's what he says. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Now I think there's several things that Jesus is saying right here that we've got to grab onto immediately, okay? The first thing that he's saying is that the time is now. Look at what he said. The time is coming and now is. The time is now. The time has never been more now for the church, for the body of Jesus Christ to rise up and be true worshipers. The next thing that he says is that God is looking. God is looking. For worshipers. We got back from vacation about 10 days ago, and I was really proud of myself because I took everything out of my suitcase immediately. Okay, we got home. And the next day, I put all my dirty stuff in the, the, the wash. I washed it. I dried it. I folded it. I put it back in my drawers. I put everything away from the trip. Everything. And, and then... I remember thinking to myself, where's my knee brace? Sometimes I wear a knee brace, and I, especially for softball, and it was Tuesday and it was softball, and I, need, and I thought, I put, I, it was in my suitcase the whole trip. I came back, I washed everything, I put everything away. I'm digging through all my drawers. I cannot find my knee brace. I know it's there. I know I put it away. I know I had it with me on our, our trip, and now I cannot find it. Have you ever been frustrated like that? You're looking for something, and I'm going to find it when I'm not looking for it. Even though I've torn all my drawers apart, I'm going to find it, and I'm not going to need it, but at least I'm going to be excited that I found it, okay? God is looking. God is searching for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. So the time is now. God is looking for us. And Jesus said, we need to worship in spirit, to worship in the spirit. You say, well, what does that mean? Jesus tells us God is a spirit. He is a spiritual being. He does not have flesh and blood the way you and I do, but yet he created us with flesh and blood. God is a spirit, and he needs to be worshiped in spirit. You and I, we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. 
So we're flesh and blood, we're personality, but we also have a divine part of us that God created, not divine, excuse me, that's the wrong term, uh, a, a, a spiritual component, an eternal component, that's what I'm looking for, that he created to live for eternity. And it is out of that eternal component that we connect with God. Some authors call it deep calling to deep. But our, our spiritual, eternal part of us connects with God who is a spirit and we're able to worship him that way. And then Jesus said you need to worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, you can't make up the way you worship Jesus. You can't make up the way you worship God. We read in the Old Testament that, uh, that there was a, a, a people called, they were, it was called Molech, and they, um, they, or maybe that was a god, but anyway, they, they sacrificed children in worship. We can't, we can't bring a new thing to the table and say, hey, I got this idea. Here's a new way to worship God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice my, my kid to, to, you know, to God, and that's, that is somehow worship. No, that's not worship. That goes against his word. We worship in spirit and in truth, which is the truth that God declares of how he wants to be worshipped. Those are some things that worship is, but I want to focus for the next few minutes on some things that worship is not. Sometimes to define something, you have to look at what it's not. And so I want to look at what worship is not. The first thing is this, it's not dependent on our feelings. Let's look at Acts chapter 16. Start at verse 23. It says, after they had been severely flogged, this is talking about Paul and Silas, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Now, Paul and Silas are in Philippi. They've been arrested uh, because they... they they, there was a, a slave girl that followed them and, and, and she was demon-possessed and she would say things and finally Paul got so tired of her that he, he literally, he just, he, he said, you know, be set free and the demon spirit came out of this young woman and she was owned by someone else and she would tell the future for them and they got really mad because now they didn't have any way to make money off of their slave and so this whole thing sort of erupted and so Paul and Silas were stripped of their clothing they were beaten and they were severely flogged and this type of flogging was with rods and these rods, they, they start by creating welts, but eventually those welts, just the skin breaks open. And in Jewish law, you were only allowed 39 uh, lashes because 40 could be considered death. And so they would always stop short of what they considered death. So you would, you know, you'd take them just to the brink of death. But this was not Jewish law that was responsible. This was Ro the Roman government. 
And so who knows how many times they were actually beaten, but they found themselves having been beaten, having been stripped. Now they've been taken into prison and they're put in stocks. An archaeologist tells us that stocks in the first century were a, they had a series of holes and those they would they would put your your feet in the stocks and close it and then they would open the spread on that to get your legs as far apart as they possibly could because it would induce tremendous cramping in your legs. Now I've got a story about cramping in your legs but I'm not going to tell that right now. It's too good if you want to know it come talk to me later and I will tell you and it's worth it, okay? But they found themselves, they, were, they had been beaten, they were bloody, they were naked. They, they're, they're, the, the most torture that they could have inflicted on them was being inflicted on them. And, and they literally are in that dark place. They are alone. It seems that they have no hope. And I want you to imagine for a moment the conversation. One of them says to the other, hey, what do you think we ought to do? Well, you know, I think we ought to pray. That's a pretty good idea. Let's pray. Can you imagine? Probably even voices trembling from the pain. Because when we are in really intense pain, you know how our voices don't stay together very well? And I can just imagine their bodies are trembling and shaking, and they're just saying, God, God be with us. We love you. We're here because we're obedient to you. We don't know what, what's going to happen to us, but, but we just ask you to come be in this place. And then one of them says to the other one, you know, I think, I think we should sing. And I can imagine silence. Are you kidding me? You want us to sing. And not only just sing, but sing hymns. At least you could suggest some contemporary choruses or something like that. So <laughs> that's supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh at that. Because we don't want people to think we're outdated. Imagine, imagine they start to sing and, and they're, they're going to just, their voices are weak. But it says that the jail was listening to them, the other prisoners. And they begin to sing. And they begin to worship God. Imagine what that would be like. Would you have felt like worshiping if you were in that moment? Would you have felt like singing and lifting your praises to God if you were the one in the stocks, if you were the one that had been flogged so severely? Would you have, been, have felt like worshiping in that moment? I'll be honest. I don't think I would. I, I think what I probably would have done would be complain to God. That's probably what I would have done. But imagine how they were feeling. They were there because they were being obedient to God. They had done what God had called them to do. People were getting saved. People were getting set free from demonic possession. God, we're doing what you wanted us to do. And, and now here we are. Here we are. I, I don't think I would have felt like worshiping. You know, we don't always feel like worshiping. I think it's funny, sometimes on Sundays, you guys don't think we can tell. But you come in tired. You come in like you took Saturday very seriously, okay? 
like really seriously. Like it's, like it's the only sunny day that you're going to get for six weeks seriously, okay? And you're like, I'm going to use this day as much as I possibly can. And you come in and you don't think we can tell and you're like, I mean, you're just, you're just, you're beat, you're tired. Some days we, we get to church and we've been fighting with our spouse the whole way to church. I solve that. I come to church really early on Sunday morning, and I'm in the car by myself. So if I fight on Sunday morning, I'm either fighting with me or God, okay? So nobody else. But we, we you know, or maybe your kids, your kids were out of this world. You, you get in the door. They have been monsters, okay? The entire morning trying to get them up, trying to get them dressed. You get to church and you look at that children's check-in area like, please deliver me from my child for 60 minutes and let me, let me just get a cup of coffee and sit in the sanctuary, okay? But our worship Our worship isn't based on how we feel. It's based on our belief in the worth and value of God. If we worship according to our feelings, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you this straight up. Your feelings will lie to you. They will lie to you. And they will tell you something that's different than the truth. Psalm 150 verse 6 says, Let everything that has breath... Praise the Lord. Not just everything that feels like it. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I love what Tertullian, the, the, uh, the, the early church uh, writer, said. He said, the, the legs feel not the stocks when the mind is in heaven. Though the body is held fast, all things lie open in the spirit. True worship does not depend on how we feel. And, and, and if you want, okay, maybe you're here and you say, but I just don't feel like worshiping. Do you want to be set free from the prison of your feelings today? If you want to be, I encourage you to be like Paul and Silas and worship even when you don't feel like it. And when you do, there will be something that shakes in the spirit world and the, the, the fetters, the chains that have held you bound that are called feelings, they will drop away miraculously when we worship when we don't feel like it. Number two, True worship is not concerned about what others think. Paul and Silas were humiliated, stripped naked, beaten with rods. A public public punishment without trial. Paul was a Roman citizen. This was not legal. This was not right. They have infringed on my rights. They were humiliated. But Paul wasn't worried about pleasing others. Here's what he said to the, the Galatians, chapter 1, verse 10. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were trying to, still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul was not concerned about what others thought about him. He wasn't worried about that. He wasn't concerned about what the jailer or what the prisoners thought. Their desire was to worship God alone. Psalm 95 says, Come, let us sing 
for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. True worship is focused on the the worthiness of God to receive praise and glory. Revelation chapter 5 shows a picture that that John uh, the Beloved received uh, into the spirit realm, into into heaven. And it it shows uh, in chapter 5, verse 12, that there are thousands, 10,000 upon 10,000 angels who are worshiping God. And it says in 5.12, in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Friends, if you have a difficulty with worship on earth, you are going to be a mess in heaven. Because it's going to be about worship. We are going to worship, and that's it. We're not going to have to have any preaching in heaven, okay? This, this role is gone. We, we have Jesus, we have the Father, we have the Holy Spirit, and we are going to worship. True worship is concerned with God's worth. It's not concerned with what others think of us. Number three, True worship is not dampened by difficulty. In Acts chapter 5, the disciples had healed many. The Sanhedrin had them flogged and warned. Their goal, the Sanhedrin's goal was to induce pain, but also to give them a sense of shame. Acts chapter 5, 41, it says, The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So how did the disciples respond to being flogged? How did they respond to being shouted down by the Sanhedrin? It says they rejoiced. The word rejoice carries with it the connotation to be so excited that you cannot contain yourself, that you jump and spin. And then there's a picture of Nikki Heitman. That's That's the definition. That's rejoice. That was their response to being flogged, to being shouted down. They rejoiced that they were worthy to suffer disgrace. You see, they understood that God was worthy of praise. The essence of praise, friends, is sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise. Praise. Paul says it this way, Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And they understood the, 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 the temple sacrifice from the law of Moses, from the Abrahamic covenant. They understood the sacrificial system. But now as the believer, we become the sacrifice, but we are a living sacrifice. Hebrews 13.5 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. 
That's what we do when we speak and we declare and we sing the praises of God. And those negative circumstances that are around us, our worship will affect those things positively. And let me tell you this. I believe that the enemy wants to shame each and every one of us. I remember being a kid growing up in the church. On the third row, my parents made us sit in the third row every Sunday our whole lives. And, and the, the feeling of wanting to enter into worship, and in my life, God all, has always used music to really touch my, my life, music and worship. And, and I can remember as a kid wanting to enter in and feeling the eyes of every person in that room and all the high school kids that were in my youth group literally staring at the back of my head. I had hair on the back of my head then, okay? Now, it's stupid. I'd have to really be a narcissist to think that everybody was that concerned in that church about me, that they would be looking at me. They weren't. They, were, they cared about what they were doing with their buddy or whatever. But I believe that the enemy was shaming me into not worshiping. And I, I, I'll bet you, you felt it before. Boy, I'd really like to raise my hands and worship the Lord, but I don't know what everybody's going to think of me. The enemy wants to shame you into not entering into worship. Number four, worship is not about what we want. What do you think Paul and Silas wanted? What do you think they wanted? As they were lying there on the floor of that prison, as they were in stocks, their backs were bloodied, what do you think they wanted? What would you want if you were them? Freedom. You'd want to be out of that jail. You'd want to be in the best hospital money could buy. You'd want to be out of that, right? Okay? That's what we would want. God, get me out of here. That's what we would believe. That's what we would want. What do you think God wanted? What do you think God wanted? Well, God wants what's best for me, so he would want me out of there. God wanted to be glorified. We don't get that because he's God. But that's what God wanted. God wanted to be glorified. Psalm 100, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. It's not dependent on what we want. It's about coming into God's presence. And when we come into his presence and when we begin to worship, guess what happens? It's not that our circumstance changes. It's that we change. And all of a sudden, our, what we want comes in line with what he wants, which is to be glorified because that's what we're doing.
So even though it may be a very difficult situation, when we enter into worship, we are, we, our heart is coming into line with what God wants, and there's change happening in us. We realize that he is worthy of our worship. I'm going to have the team come, and we're going to close with a song, a specific song. It's called 10,000 Reasons. And I picked this song because in 2015, there was a, an Australian guy named Andrew Chan. And Andrew Chan had been convicted of drug smuggling in Australia. And the punishment in the court system is, is death, it's execution. And he was on death row for 10 years. And during that time period he got saved and not only did he get saved but he decided to start studying the Bible, he started to study theology and he, he even graduated from a seminary and they exhausted all of the all of the, the appeals and it was time you know they knew that his execution date was coming and they're making preparations and he decided that he was going to do something while he was being executed and they were for crimes he had committed he had been he had been uh, rightly convicted that was the punishment of the land he would sing this song so as we sing this song, here's someone that was literally facing death, that was walking through being executed, and their, their desire was to worship God in the midst of it. As we close, I'm just going to invite you to stand with me. I'll come back in just a second and close us in prayer, but... The team's going to lead us. And as we do, I want you to think about worshiping God no matter what you feel like, no matter what your circumstances are like, that you will say, I want to worship the Lord.